0: Man, what a wonderful time of worship. Christians, thank you so much, man. So good to see our young people taking part in our worship. You know, because um, I know Pastor Kent feels this way. Um, I certainly do. Our children, our youth, they are not our future. They are our present, aren't they? Thank you so much, Christian, and everyone who has participated today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3, and I'd like for us to read this passage together before we look at God's Word. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and I would like for you to stand in honor of God's Word as we read it together. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle, and the apostle but the builder of all things is god now moses was faithful in all god's house as a servant to the things that were to be spoken later but christ is faithful over god's house as a son and we are his house if we if indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting in our hope, reading and understanding of his most holy word. You may be seated. As we begin this morning, I want you to think of a person in your past or present that you have admired over the years and looked up to and has been a mentor in your life. A person in the past or present in your life that you have admired and looked up to over the years and has been a mentor in your life. Maybe it was a godly father or a Christian grandmother. Maybe it was a friend who led you to Jesus. Maybe a school teacher as a child. Maybe it was a pastor in your home church. Who was that person that you admired and looked up to? Who was that mentor in your life? Well, for the Jewish people, it was Moses. For the Jewish people, it was Moses. Moses was highly revered by the Jews. He was regarded as the greatest among the Hebrews. He was a hero, a hero of the Jewish people. Now, it's important for us to understand that fact if we're going to understand the message of Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Very important. What made Moses so special to the Jewish people? Well, there are several reasons. First, Moses was divinely protected by God. You know the story. He was miraculously saved from death by Pharaoh's daughter. He was plucked. (laughs) from the Nile River. He was raised as a prince of Egypt. Secondly, Moses was Israel's great deliverer. One day, Moses saw an Egyptian abusing another Hebrew, and he killed that Egyptian. And word got out what Moses had done, so he fled to the backside of the desert. He was married shepherd to his father-in-law's sheep. For 40 long years, suddenly his life was radically changed. God called Moses from a burning bush to become God's deliverer. He stood before Pharaoh and demanded that he let the children of Israel go. And God used Moses in a most miraculous way to turn the Nile into blood, to send the plagues of frogs, gnats, flies, hail, bowls, darkness, and the angel of death, which ultimately led to Israel's freedom. With his rod in his hand, he parted the Red Sea. He led the children of Israel through the wilderness, up the promised land. Also, Moses was Israel's greatest prophet. God spoke to Moses directly, face to face, as a friend. We read this in Numbers chapter 12, beginning at verse 6. Numbers chapter 12, beginning at verse 6. Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. Notice that. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Wow. Greatest of all the prophets. For Moses was Israel's great lawgiver, he gave the law to Israel through Moses. The law was so much a part of Moses' life and ministry that it is called today the law of Moses. The law of Moses. Fifthly, Moses was Israel's greatest author. He penned the Pentateuch. Genesis through Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There's no question about it. Moses was greatly loved and admired by the Jewish people. Greatly loved and admired by the Jewish people. And because of the great affection the Jewish people had for Moses, Many of these Hebrew Christians to whom the writer is writing to were being led astray into believing that Moses was greater than Jesus. (laughs) Greater than Jesus. So the writer is determined to show that Jesus is superior to Moses. Far greater than Moses. My friend, there is a spiritual danger in placing too much importance in man. There is a great spiritual danger in placing too much importance in man. In fact, to do so is idolatry. It's as simple as that. And the church must beware of idolatry. Another way of putting it is people worship. Whether that person is a preacher, a pastor, or a Bible teacher. Now, I've heard of church members who stopped going to Sunday school because. Their favorite teacher is no longer teaching. I've heard of church members who leave a church because the pastor either resigns or retires. My question is, who are they worshiping? Beware of people worship. It's idolatry. And there's no place for it in the church of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what was going on in the Corinthian church. That's exactly what was going on in the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 11, Paul writes these words to that church. He says, for it has been reported. I've heard the news. It's come to me that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas. Or Peter. There were some in the church who were saying, Paul is the man. Man, he is the man. He's able to take the deep truths of God's Word, the deep doctrines of the Word of God, and he's able to expound them and explain them so simply. Others were saying, Oh, Paul is all right. He's okay, but Apollos, man, man, he is a preacher. I mean, he has a silver tongue. Man, he can, he can preach the horns off of a goat. Oh, Apollos is my man. And still there were others who were saying, but Peter. Man, he, he's just a natural born leader of men. He's the kind of leader that, that we can follow. I don't see the Christians in Corinth replacing too much importance in man. Man. And they were in danger of people worship. What is the cure to people worship? What is the cure to people worship? Jesus worship. That's the cure. Beware of any pastor or church leader who calls attention to himself or herself and does not point you to Jesus. To do so is idolatry. I just recently heard it said of a popular preacher today. And if I mentioned his name, you would know who I'm talking about. About him. He's in every Bible story he preaches. He's in every Bible story he preaches. God's man, God's woman will always point you to Jesus. And that's what Moses always did. Moses always pointed the people to Jesus. But the problem, well, the problem is that many of these Hebrew Christians were placing Moses over Jesus in importance and the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't go there. Don't go there. Why? Because Jesus is far more superior than Moses. These Hebrew Christians, I mean these Hebrews were Christians. We need to understand that Christians. Verse 1 makes it abundantly clear Yet they were in the danger of idolatry, Moses' worship. How do we know that they were Christians? Well, notice that they're called holy brothers. Holy brothers, verse 1. The word holy comes from the Hebrew word that means to be set apart. To be set apart. As believers, we have been set apart by God as his holy people. That's our position in Jesus Christ. We're holy in God's sight, not because there's any good in us. Folks, there's no good in us. The Bible says no one does good. No, not one. There's no good in us. We're not holy because there's any good in us, but because the shed blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. Also, I want you to see that, that these Christians are called brethren. Brethren. Members of God's family. Jesus is our elder brother, capital B, and all believers everywhere are our brothers and sisters in Christ. But notice also how they're described as sharers in a heavenly calling. Again, verse one, sharers of a heavenly calling. As believers, we this is one we share a heavenly calling. Man, this speaks of our future in glory in heaven. You see. The earth is not our home. I mean, this is not our home down here. One day, you're going to die. I'm going to die. One day, that's going to happen. This earth is not our home. We're just passing through. Now, Hebrews was written to believers, not unbelievers. Holy unbelievers do not exist. (laughs) Holy unbelievers do not exist. Unbelievers do not share a heavenly calling. These Jews were Christians, but they had a great need. And, and their great need is focus on Jesus Christ. They needed to place their focus on Jesus Christ. I had a professor in Bible college. His name was Buck Hatch. Greatest teacher, probably the one of the top two teachers I've ever had. And when he wanted us to pay close attention to what he was saying, he would say, look up here. Oh, Oh, Cindy, we heard that a lot, didn't we? Look up here. And and when he said, look up here, man, he had something important to say. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Look up here. (laughs) That's what he's saying in verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. He said, this is what I want you to understand. You need to consider Jesus. He is saying, look up here. Fix your thoughts on Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we fix our focus on Jesus Christ? By spending time thinking about Jesus. That's how. In other words, we need to have our minds on Jesus all day long. It is possible, folks. We need to have our minds on Jesus all day long. We need to have our minds on Jesus when we wake up in the morning and when we go to bed at night and all between. We need to have our mind fixed on Jesus Christ. We need to focus on what the Bible says, what this book says. About Jesus. That's so important because there's so many false views about Jesus. The cults, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons. Oh, they talk about Jesus. But but their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Oh, they use the terminology that we use. They talk about being saved. They talk about God. They talk about Jesus. They talk about heaven. They talk about eternal life. They talk about all these things, but their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Their Jesus was just a man like you and me who became a, a, not the God, became a God. But he's not the God. Now notice how Hebrews describes Jesus here. See, we need to focus on Jesus. And we need to see what the Bible says about him. And this is what the Bible says about him in verse 1. He is called the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now let's begin with the first description. Jesus is the apostle. And the word apostle means sent out one. Sent out ones. When Jesus called his 12 disciples, they became Apostles. They were sent out by Jesus to make disciples all over the nations, all over the world. Great commission is all about But notice, Jesus, he is not a apostle. He is the apostle. Definite an article. He's the apostle sent out by the Father from heaven into the world to be our Savior. He's the apostle. The apostle. The sent out one. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he sent his son, sent him out into the world to be our Savior. And then the second description is the high priest. Now, in the Old Testament, the high priest represented the people before God. I think about the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest he went into the most holy place or the holy of holies with the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat to atone for his sins and the sins of the people. But this was just a shadow of what was coming. Just a shadow of what was coming. A picture of what Jesus would do on the cross for us. On the cross, Jesus, our high priest, shed his precious blood once and for all as a sacrifice for sinners, opening the way for sinners to be saved, to make it possible for sinners like you and me to be saved. Since Jesus is the apostle, the apostle who has been sent out by the Father to be the Savior. Since Jesus is the high priest who offered the one and only sacrifice for sin, we must, we must fix our thoughts on him. We must fix our thoughts on him. Why? It will keep us from drifting. A few Sundays ago we talked about drifting. Drifting spiritually. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it will keep us from drifting. If you focus your mind on Jesus, really, you won't have time to drift. You won't have time to drift. We drift when our mind is focused on the things of this world instead of the things of Christ. In fact, I'll make a statement, and I believe it's true. It is impossible to sin overtly on purpose. When our mind is on Jesus. Impossible. Just try it sometime and see. The next time you're tempted to sin. And maybe it's that besetting temptation in your life. That keeps coming and going all the time in your life. When you're tempted to disobey God. And to do something you know is against God's word. Stop right there. And open your Bible to the words of Jesus. And begin to read the words of Jesus. Read about who he is. There's so many great passages, especially in the book of John, the gospel of John. Start reading about Jesus, who he is and what he has done. And my friend, you will be amazed at the power of the word of God has over temptation and sin. You will be amazed at the power the word of God has over temptation and sin. You see, you can't fill your mind with Jesus and fill your mind with sin at the same time. It won't happen. I think the old hymn says it best, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. That's what we need to do. We need to turn our eyes and our attention and our focus on Jesus Christ. And what's the promise? And the things of earth shall grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory. And grace. This is what the Hebrew Christians needed to do in this book. And this is what we need to do. We need to turn our eyes from our troubles and our trials. From worldly things. From sinful things. And fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what we need to do. Now the author of Hebrews is. Getting down to his main point. Showing the superiority of Jesus over Moses. And here we see two great proofs that Jesus is superior over Moses. The first proof is Jeria in his ministry. Jesus is superior in his ministry. See, both Moses and Jesus were both faithful in the ministry God called them to do. Both were faithful, but Jesus is superior because his ministry is greater. Look with me at verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4 years. 22 times God says that Moses was faithful in his ministry. So the word faithful fits the life and the ministry of Moses. You know, I wonder if God could say that about you and me. Moses was faithful. I wonder if God could say that about you and me. Are you faithful in your lifestyle? What you do, where you go? The people you hang around with? Are you faithful in your service? Or do you have a service? Do you have a ministry? Every Christian ought to have a service. Either in or through this church in some way. Are you faithful in your giving? You know, the Bible has a lot to say about giving. Are you faithful in your giving? In your times and your offerings? God is faithful to us. But are we faithful to him? Please understand, Hebrews is not minimizing the faithfulness of Moses. In fact, it highlights the faithfulness of Moses. He discharged his ministry as a leader in God's house. Now... What does the word house mean here? We see it through these verses. House, God's house. What what, what does it mean? Well, what is your house? It's not something that's made of brick and mortar or wood. Your house is your household. Your house are the members of your family. God's house here refers to the people of God, the family of God. And that's made clear in verse 6 that we'll get to in just a minute. Moses was a leader in God's house. He was a, a faithful leader among the people of God. But Jesus is the builder of God's house, God's family. He's the one who established God's family. He's the one who originated God's family. It's just common sense that an architect is greater than the house he builds. Jesus is the architect of God's house, God's family, the people of God. He built it. (laughs) Therefore, the author of Hebrews is saying Jesus is greater than Moses because he built God's house. But Moses was just a member of the house. Just a member of the family. A very important part of it. No no doubt. A very important part of it. But just a member. Just a member. Well, the author of Hebrews gives a second proof that Jesus is superior to Moses. And it's this. Jesus is superior in his person. Jesus is superior in his person. Look at verse 5 and 6. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant. Now, now the word servant is a very rare word. It's only used here in the New Testament. It's not that common word that we often use of a, of a slave, doulos, this speaks of a very lowly slave. No, the word servant here refers to one who holds a position of honor and respect. Under 47, he says, For if you believe Moses, notice that, if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. And then I think about the road to Damascus. If you remember that, Jesus appeared to two of the disciples after his resurrection. And he says in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He spoke of Jesus. And though Moses was born more than a thousand years before Jesus Christ came, he spoke of the coming Messiah. Yeah, Moses was a servant, highly honored in God's house, but still a servant. But Jesus is the Son. <laughs> Moses, a servant. Jesus the son look at verses five and six now moses was faithful in all god's house as a servant but christ is faithful over god's house as a son and there's a big difference between a servant even a highly respected servant and a son big difference moses was a servant but jesus is a son a servant might be highly honored but he's still under the master he's still a servant But a son is the one who inherits the house. He is the one who is Lord over the household. So Moses was a servant among God's people, among God's people. But Jesus is the son who is Lord over God's people. He is also our Savior. He is also our Savior who came and died on the cross and paid for sin, all of our sin died on that cross. On the third day, he rose again from the dead and he invites all those who would put their trust in him to receive eternal life forevermore. You know, how are we to respond? What are we to do? I want you to look at the last phrase. We see it in verse 6. And we are his house. I love that. He says, we are his house. If indeed we, he's not doubting their salvation. Not at all. He is simply simply saying that those who hold fast to their hope in Jesus are giving evidence that they are in God's family. (laughs) That's what he's saying. (laughs) Those who hold to Christ, those who persevere, Are giving evidence, giving proof that they are in God's family. The word hold fast is a nautical term. It was used of a ship staying on course, a ship that was staying on course, headed for the shore. A ship that stays on course will make it safely to the shore, to the shore. And what Hebrews is telling us here is a true believer in Jesus will stay on course until they reach heaven's shore. What does God want us to do? Hold fast. Keep that profession. Don't turn back. Don't drift away. Don't don't drift from Jesus. Focus your Attention on him. Look to him. As the apostle. And the high priest of our confession. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father. We just thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much. For the message of Hebrews chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. Oh dear God. This is a message for the church today. And this time of. Of the pandemic, this time that we're going through to hold fast. Don't drift away. And dear Lord, it burdens my heart that there's some, even among this church, that are drifting away. Lord, keep us faithful as Moses was faithful, as our Lord Jesus is always faithful to us. Help us not to drift away. Help us to be faithful.